When we get to know God more, we naturally begin worshiping Him more. This is the first message in the series, Up and Down. The message is entitled, What is Worship? Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, this weekend we do start a brand new series of messages that will take us through the month of November that I want to encourage you to be a part of. Uh, invite your friends to be a part of it as well because this is a topic that we don't uh, think about or talk about specifically. We engage in it, mention it from time to time in our services. But for four weeks, I want to talk to you about this whole idea of worship. I think it's a great idea if we're going to be Christian believers that we should understand what it means to worship, don't you? So we're going to take a look at the whole idea of what worship is about, and I've titled this series Up and Down. And the reason I titled it Up and Down is because I want you to understand, I want all of us to understand in a new and fresh way that worship is something we send up to God. And when we send our worship up to God, I assure you, based upon the promises of God's Word, as we'll see in this series, He always sends blessings down. You can never outgive God. Can I get an amen right there? When you give Him your worship, I promise you, He sends down, down blessings upon your life. So here's what I want you to do. As we start this series tonight, I'm going to talk about what is worship, actually kind of more why do we worship, sort of what and why together. So I'm going to ask you to do something for the next 30 to 35 minutes. I want you to do your best to focus in upon you thinking about your relationship with God and you thinking about what it means to worship God and you thinking about who God is. I want you just to get your mind. Some of you have some significant things going on in your life right now. You've got some problems that are going on at home or maybe in your finances or maybe with people you're concerned about. Can I just encourage you to take all that stuff right now, let's bundle it up and sit it to the side and let's get our minds upon the Lord tonight for the next few moments and let's understand what worship really is all about. And worship really is all about knowing how to respect, if you will, God. And I'm going to talk a bit about that tonight. It's knowing how to enter into a respectful relationship with God. And how do you learn to respect someone? You learn to respect them by, by exposure to them and by experience. And the first two commandments that God ever gave the nation of Israel had to do with worship. Let me start you right there tonight in Exodus chapter 20. This is the story of the Ten Commandments, God giving them to, uh, uh, to Moses and to the people of Israel as they now have come out of Egypt. And he gives them this, ten, this list of the ten important things morally that they need to remember. And I want you to notice this first section here. God says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. We'll come back to that in a moment. You must not have any other God but me. Notice that phrase. You must not make for yourselves an idol of any kind. An idol was something that was to be worshipped. Anything that you worship other than God is considered the true living God is considered an idol, okay? Uh, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or, what's this word? Worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. When God begins this whole process of constituting the nation of Israel, giving them their laws to live by, at that moment, 
God says, let me start with just the beginning foundation. Before we go to all the other stuff I'm going to talk to you about, about the Sabbath day and about lying and about murder and all these coveting and all these other things, before I talk to you about any of that, let's lay the foundation. And the foundation basically is this. You're, you're to have no other gods before me. You're not to make any idols. I need to be the focus of your worship. None of, nothing else is going to matter. Nothing else is going to be of any significance of what I will share with you, God is saying, until you, you get this down. You have to understand that worshiping me comes first because everything else in your life, in essence, he's saying, will flow out of who and what you worship. Who and what you worship determines how, who and what you become as a person. If you worship money, what do you become? A greedy person. If you worship relationships, if, if people are most important, you become oftentimes a people pleaser. You become someone that is always your image of, of yourself is determined by what other people think of you. And so who or what you worship determ determines who or what you become as a person. And so God says, I want you to understand that this worship thing is really important. It's not something to slip to the back corner of your life and just think, well, maybe occasionally I'll worship God or once a week I'll go to church and worship. No, it needs to be the central part of your life. Now, why did God say that he was worthy of being worshipped? Let's go back to the second verse and see what he said. I am, the reason I am worthy of being worshipped is because I am what? I am the Lord your God. That's where it begins. I'm the Lord your God. And so the reason that you need to worship me, it's not because God in, in essence is, is trying to sort of be on an ego trip. God is not ego tripping by saying worship me. No, he's, he's helping them to understand this is how health works. This is how wholeness works. The reason you're to worship, I'm the Lord your God. I'm the one who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. That is the one that wants to bring out the best for your life. I am the Lord your God. I am determined to give you freedom. And you can't separate worship from freedom. Worship is your pathway to freedom. Now, I mentioned this a moment ago, and I'm going to bring it back to your attention again. Worshiping God, you have to know Him as the Lord your God, right? If you don't understand who He is, then you're not, not, not going to give him respect. Think about someone you really respect in your life right now. I mean, you have high regard for. The reason you have high regard for them is because you've had two things, most likely. You've had, I'll write them down on the board. These are not on your notes. You've had exposure to them, and you've had experience with them, right? You don't just out of the blue respect someone. You respect someone because you've been exposed to their nature, exposed to their character, and or you've had experiences with them in some way that you come out the other side saying, I really respect that person. I really have a place in my life for that person because I have had exposure to them and experienced them in some way. The same is true when it comes to our relationship with God. The more exposure you have to God and the more experience you have with God, the more you're going to know him as the Lord your God and the more you're going to worship him. 
Worship or respecting or honoring God comes out of your exposure to Him and your experience to Him. You'll become a greater worshiper when these two things happen in your life. Let me give you some examples. I'll give you several examples of these in the Bible. Let's go back. Anybody remember Abraham? You happen to remember him? Let's see how Abraham became a worshiper. You want to? Let's take a look at Abraham. Take a look at this verse of Scripture here in Genesis chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. Then the Lord, what did He do? appeared to, would you call that exposure? Would you call that an experience? Yes. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram, what did he do? He built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up, set up camp in the hill country with, with Bethel to the west, Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he, what did he do? He Worship. So Abram's experience and exposure to God turned him into a worshiper. Anybody remember this guy? Well, we, got, we could do a whole series on Jacob. He is a rascal. I'm telling you, okay? Jacob is something else. But in the midst of being this rascal, he also was a worshiper. And he begins to learn. See, it, it, God can get you out of all kind of messes, and he can change your life dramatically if you'll just learn how to worship him. You might say, hey, I'm a scoundrel. I'm not such a good person. Well, just keep on worshiping, and the exposure to God and experience with God will change you. It'll change you. Jacob was changed. Jacob is on his way out of town, and he decides to sleep one night, and he sets up a, a rock as his pillar, and he has a dream, and he has this, this stairway to heaven dream that you might uh, uh, remember in Genesis chapter 28. And notice that after he has this dream, notice what happens. Uh, he's, he's had this encounter with God, and this is his response. And this memorial pillar I set up will become a place for worshiping God and will present to God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Jacob had exposure to God, and Jacob had an experience with God, and what came out of it, he became a worshiping person. Let's take a look at another individual in Scripture. Anybody remember this guy? We're working our way through the Old Testament. Isaiah, tremendous prophet, uh, the prophet that gives us the most messianic prophecies of any Old Testament book. Isaiah has an encounter with God in Isaiah chapter 6 where he, he goes into the Holy of Holies and experiences this great moment with God and notice how he responds. I don't have time to go through the whole story, but here's, here is Isaiah's response to his encounter with God. Woe to me, or woe is me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. I've had exposure to the king. I've had experience with the king, the Lord Almighty. And out of that moment, God sends the angel down and takes a coal from the altar and touches Isaiah's lips, and his lips are cleansed. And then the Lord says, whom can I send? Who will go for me? And at that point, Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Why? Because he had become a worshiper, a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips. As he encounters God, becomes a worshiper and a messenger of God. How about the apostle Paul? Anybody remember him in the New Testament? Of course you do. Paul, this great apostle, but he was 
was not always a great apostle. He was known before he was, Saul, uh, before he was Paul. He was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was a Pharisee. He was, he was a persecutor of the church. And I want you to notice what happens to Saul uh, of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. Take a look at the story in Acts chapter 9. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Now he's encountering him as Lord. Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. We could go on and on and talk about the story with Saul, but what I want you to see is he now has an encounter with Jesus, and he experiences Jesus. He's exposed to Jesus and experiences the resurrected Savior, and what does he become? He becomes a worshiper. He learns to worship the one true God. I want to lay this foundation down for us tonight. If you want to worship well, if we want to grow as worshipers, we need to pursue more and more exposure to God and more and more experience with God. You don't need less of God. You and I need more of God. Amen? I'll say that again. You don't need less of God. You need more of God. You need, to, you need to think about ramping up your experiences with God and ramping up your exposure. Why is heaven going to be such a place of worship? Because we will have unadulterated, absolute, unhindered exposure to God and experience with God, and the only option will be to worship. I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, you don't have to say, I don't know if I feel like worshiping today. You're going to never feel like not worshiping. Why? Because you're exposed to this great, awesome, wonderful God, and you're, you're experiencing his presence. That's why if you have loved ones that have gone to be with heaven, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that recently because of experiences in my own family, and I'm telling you, heaven's got to be a glorious place, a place of tremendous, because all, all God is is consumed with his presence, amen? Exposed to him and experiencing him 24-7, 365, forever and ever and ever. Somebody said, well, that's going to be boring. No, it won't. It'll never be boring. There's nothing about God. The dimensions of God are so great that you could never get bored in the presence of God, okay? Incredible to think about. So I'm going to share with you three things that you need to know about God that increases your exposure. I'm trying to tell you about him tonight. Is that okay? You already know probably these three things. But I want to tell you again tonight three things about God that increases your exposure as to who he is and hopefully increases your experience with him. Why do we worship? We worship, number one, because our God is, what is he? He's awesome, okay? He's awesome. That's why you worship. I'm not just using that word. That word is used so casually in our culture today. Oh, that was an awesome game. That was an awesome hot dog. That was whatever, okay? <laughs> we use it all over the place, but we fail to remember that actually awesome is a very important word, and it is actually a biblical word, okay? I'm not going to tell you that I'm against you using it otherwise, but I think it might be a good idea to start taking some of these words and pulling them back in focus to where they really need to be focused, and that is with God. And awesome is a word that is used to describe uh, excitement or affirmation. Here, here's the actual definition of the word awe from which we get the word awesome. Here's the definition. 
It says that awe is a combination of reverence, respect, fear, and wonder inspired by the recognition of authority, genius, great beauty, power, and might. Let me read that again. What is awe? Awe is a combination, putting all these things together. That's what a combination is, of reverence, respect, fear, wonder, and it's inspired by the recognition of authority, genius, great beauty, power, and might. That's right from the dictionary, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but my hot dogs don't look like that, okay? <laughs> I like them, but they don't fit the category, the definition of awe. God does, okay? Because God is the one of great authority. He is the genius of the universe. He is the one of great beauty. You cannot imagine beauty without imagining God. He is the God of great power and the God of great might. He is the God of great majesty. And all through the pages of Scripture, we're told of the awesomeness of our God. Take a look at these verses. No, do not. This is the children of Israel going into the promised land. No, do not be afraid of these nations, for the Lord your God is among you, and he is a great and, say it with me, what is our God? He is an awesome God. Psalm 89, verse 7, the highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround his throne. Some people say, I just wish I could see an angel. No, you don't need to see an angel. Angels are inferior compared to the amazing character of God, the awesomeness of our God. Notice this next verse, Luke chapter 5. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with wonder and awe. And they praised God. They worshiped, exclaiming, We have seen. We've had exposure to. We've had experience with the amazing things of God today. Take a look at this next passage, Hebrews 12. Since we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Holy fear and awe. Who is the God that we worship? I want to tell you that our God is an awesome God. He's an awesome God. We begin to be exposed. We think about the reality of how awesome he really is. We put it in our minds that when we, when we kneel down in prayer, when we come to church to worship, when we open up our Bibles, we stop for a moment and say, who am I talking to? Who am I focusing my attention upon? I'm focusing my attention upon the one who is all authority, the one who is great beauty, the one who is might and power, the one who is grandeur and glory. There's no one beyond him. I come to him in awe and I worship him. The second thing I want to tell you about God tonight, I want you to know that he's this. What is he? He's active. Something that's active means that it's in motion, okay? It's in motion. It's, it, there's movement. There's functionality. I'll give you that word. There's, there's a functionality to it. I'll give you this word, function. So something that's active, it's dynamic. There's another word we could use there, okay? could give you a lot of different words to use here, but we'll just stop with those three right there, okay? So there's motion. There's, 
there's, there's, active, there's, there's, there's function, there's, there's dynamism. What is the opposite of active? What? Passive, right? So when it comes to your view of God, can I ask you, which of these views do you have? Do you think of God as active or do you think of God as passive? I'm asking you to really think for a moment. That when you go to God in prayer or you go to God in praise, do you, do you interact with God in a, in a mindset that, that God is, is active, he's in motion, there's function to him, there's dynamism to God, or, or do you somehow sort of think of God as being, well, yeah, I know he exists, but he's kind of like an old man sitting on a throne somewhere, he doesn't have much energy and he doesn't do much, okay? Which way do you think of God? Is he active or is he passive for you? I want to tell you that the Bible teaches us that God is not passive, that God is active. God is always at work, okay? This is the God that we worship. Who is he? He's the God who is at work. What kind of work does he do? Let me give you some work that God does in your life. Are you ready for this, okay? That he does around us and that he does in your life. God does the work of creating. He is the creator, okay? And even in your life, he creates opportunities. Anybody ever heard God create an opportunity for you? He creates open doors for you. By the way, he also creates closed doors for you, okay? He is the creator God. Take a look at Psalm chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard. See, when you go up tonight, if the clouds would allow us to, I'm not sure what the sky is like tonight as you walk outside, but you look up and you see the stars, you see the moon, and in the daytime you see the sun. They're not saying anything, but they're saying something. They're declaring the glory glory of the one who created. They're, they're blasting out by their very presence the fact that God is my creator. The heavens declare the glory of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. Look at this, this one. For through him, Jesus, God, what did he do? Created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. All you need to do is just, especially in, a, in the springtime or even in the beautiful fall. How many of you love the fall season of the year? Isn't it a beautiful time? My wife and I rode out just the other day to one of the local lakes around here and just to look at the, the leaves on the trees. and the, It's almost like those leaves as they're turning uh, the golden and they're turning red and all these different colors before they go into their sleep cycle waiting for the springtime to come. They're shouting out, I, I, I'm adoring my creator. Here's a, little, here's a little color for you, God. Okay. It's declaring the glory of God. Everything created by him and for him. Take a look at the next thing. What does God do in your life? He's the God who's always doing what? Delivering. God, God delivers. Amen? He delivers in the sense of getting you free and moving you forward in your life. He also delivers blessings to you. He's a delivery person. Have you ever had some blessings from God show up on your doorstep? Okay. He's the delivering God. Exodus chapter 14. We're being reminded. I started my whole message tonight. Think about God. Who is he? 
But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Lord saw the bodies of the Egyptians, and the, excuse me, the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians. They were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Take a look at this next verse here. 2 Timothy 4.18, yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory, that's worship, all glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I want you to read this verse with me as it applies, as though it applies to you because it does. Are you ready? But you got to read it like you mean it, okay? If you don't read it like you mean it, I'm going to make you read it again, okay? So let's just do it right the first time. How about that? Okay, you ready? Here we go. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Can you say amen to that? All right? I got to move on here. This is what God, this is his work, fulfilling promises a potential and possibility. This is what God is always doing this stuff, okay? He never stops doing this stuff. He's always fulfilling promises. Take a look at Joshua chapter 4. The people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. Then they camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until he had all, all had crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear and or worship. You can insert that there. The Lord your God forever. There's the promise of what God does. He's powerful and mighty. God is always at work healing. The world's at work making us sick, okay? But God is in the work of healing us. God is a healing force. He, he extends healing grace to people over and over again. Example of this, you've seen it before, John chapter 5. I'm just trying to lay biblical foundation. We need the Word of God in us. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. This is at the pool of Bethesda when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time. He said, well, God bless you. I hope you get better soon. No. He knew he had been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get what? Jesus asked that question to us every day of our lives. Would you like to get well? In fact, I would ask you on his behalf today, would you like to get well, whether it be in your spirit or in your soul or in your body? Would you like to be well? Would you like to be whole? That's the, that's the question that Jesus asked. Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the man, sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. He is a healer. He's always working. Who is our God? Who do we worship? He's the God who's always working toward healing in people's lives. He's always working, providing needs and providing for our righteous desires. Matthew 6, verse 30. Everybody's still with me tonight? You okay? 
And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Notice this. He will what? Certainly care for you. Needs day by day. He takes care of us. Take delight in the Lord, and what will he do? He will give you your heart's desire. Don't you love that verse of Scripture? Incredible verse of Scripture. So he's always providing for needs. Let me tell you something else God is always doing. He's always doing that. What is it? He's always doing that. He never stops doing that. Always answering prayer. Take a look at this verse. I'm praying to you because I know you will answer, O God. Bend down and listen as I pray. I thank you. This is Psalm 118, verse 21. I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. I want to tell you tonight, remind all of us together that God is an active God. Okay? That's who he is. Getting our exposure to God, our experience with God. He's awesome. He's active. I'm going to give you one more. Will you take one more with me tonight? Okay. Here's a good thing about God. He's always, say it with me. Boy, isn't this good stuff? He's always available. He's present. He's ready. Always available. He's always present. He's at hand. That's why when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm here. I'm available. I'm willing to assist, willing to help, willing and capable of bringing bringing about a beneficial result in your life. How is his availability demonstrated to us? Let's go through just a few of these, and we'll be done for this evening. It's available by his interest in us. God is interested in you. Let me stop for a moment. I want you to think about that. Really think about it. Do you believe that? That the very God of the universe who created everything that's been created, he's actually interested in you. You're the object of God's interest, and you're the object of God's affection. And his interest means that he actually cares. He's not just in a distant interest, but he actually cares. He's concerned about what's going on in your life. 1 Peter 5, 7. Read with me. Let's get this one out loud again, if you don't mind. Here we go. Give all your worries and cares to God. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? If you really believe that, would you worship a God like that? Does that draw you into worship to know that the God of the universe actually and in reality cares about you? I'll give you a second aspect of this. How do we know that God is available to us? Because he's taken initiative toward us. What is initiative? Initiative really is is taking a step out. Sometimes you'll hear people say, hey, step up. Come on, you need to step up to the plate. When you say step up to the plate, what do you mean? Come on, take some initiative. Sometimes, perhaps even in a work environment, you're told to take initiative about something. What it means is step up, do something. Well, God didn't wait for us to step up. God stepped up first, okay? When we couldn't step up to God, God stepped to us. That's what Christmas is all about. Take a look at this verse. I love it. I quote it from time to time quite regularly. And it's one that if you haven't memorized, you really need to memorize it. You know it. What is it? 
For God so loved the world. Put your name. What is your name right there? That's your name. Stop making it just generic. It's generic there so everybody can put their name in that. Okay. For God so loved. I'm going to read that again. I want you to say your name when I get to that part. For God so loved so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have. My goodness, do you understand the beauty of this? Have eternal life. What do you mean have eternal life? That's life that is with God forever. See, there are only two places after life is over. There's heaven and there's hell. Heaven is the presence of God and hell is the absence of the presence of God. Now, which would you choose? You're going to live forever. Which neighborhood do you want? You get to choose the neighborhood now. Okay, I'm just making it real. Okay, you're going to live forever, but you're going—you got to make your choice on your neighborhood now. You don't get to make it after you die. You go ahead and set your real estate, your eternal real estate deal is set up now. Okay, and God said you're in trouble. You're never going to make it to my neighborhood. Because to get into my neighborhood, you have to be perfect. So the only people that come to my neighborhood are like me, and they're perfect. And so I know you'll never make it to my neighborhood called heaven. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son from heaven down to earth, and he's going to go to the cross, and he's going to take all of your sins upon himself. He's going to pay the price for your sins. Then he's going to, to, to your account, he's going to write paid in full and, and, and write over righteous by Christ. And now you have a deed eternally for heaven based upon what Jesus did for you. And you and I could have never done that on our own. You can't get to heaven by yourself. So God took the initiative to come down and do this for us, to give us this incredible gift, wonderful, amazing gift. Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love. He showed, he took initiative for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still Sinners, I think we ought to just stop for a moment and thank God for that tonight, aren't you? Grateful for that. There's a third thing that shows us his, his availability to us. Third thing. He gives an invitation to every one of us. You know, whenever you invite someone to your house or invite someone out or you take the initiative to invite them, what you're saying is, I want to be with you. I'm available for you, okay? I'm available for you. And Jesus has made himself available to us by inviting us to be with him. Not just for eternity, but even now. Jesus said, come to me. Come, come on close to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy loadings, and I will give you rest. Notice this, come to me. I'm available for you, right? He couldn't say that if he was not available. Hebrews 4, another fantastic passage. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered, into he entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us firm, hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us, here's the invitation would you agree with me that this is an invitation word, right? Would you agree with that? If I say, hey, come over to my house, would you agree that's an invitation, right? Right? Okay. 
So here's the invitation. So let us come. Here's the meaning of that word. Confidently, come boldly or confidently to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Just think of it this way. You got tough stuff going on in your life. Life's hard. You got some challenges. You've made some mistakes. Some things have happened in your life. You feel messed up. And then you hear Jesus say, hey, come over to my house. Come on. Because it's a house of grace. And when you come into my house, don't come in sort of on the floor wondering if I'm going to accept you. Come in boldly. Come in confidently. Because when you come in, what I'm going to do is I have a gift waiting in my house for you. The gift I have in my house for you is mercy. I mean, a lot of houses, they don't have that, right? And by the way, I've got another gift for you that's right there in my house. I'd like to give it to you, and that's called grace, okay? And many times the reason we're not experiencing mercy and grace is because we're not coming to Jesus' house. We're not approaching him. And so the next time you pray, think, I've got, a, I've got an open invitation. He told me if I, if I have a need in my life, whatever I need the most, I can go to his house, I can approach his presence, and I can find something there called a gift of mercy and a gift of grace to help me in whatever way that I have need of in my life. Give you one final verse of scripture here. At least I think it's the last one. Yep. The spirit and the bride say, stay away. No. The spirit and the bride say, did we agree already that that's a word of invitation? Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is, this is spiritually thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. I, I don't know about you tonight. I imagine that you're probably right where I'm at tonight. But I just want to be a better worshiper. How about you? Because our God is an awesome God. Our God is an active God. And our God is an available God. All of those are reasons why we worship him. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We're grateful for the opportunity to learn just a little bit more about you. Be reminded, Lord, of who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you are awesome. Lord, we so often use that word in so many different ways. But, Lord, tonight we realize that, Lord, really that word is, is reserved in a significant way for you. Thank you that you're active, that you never stop working in our lives. And thank you, Lord, that you're available to us over and over in Scripture. You say, come, come, come. And I pray that we would be responsive to that invitation. Seal these words, these truths in our hearts tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit. For that we thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's son. 
I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.